from News Hub, it's the Fierce Fitness Podcast with Nats Levy. Expert health advice to help you live your best life. Welcome to the Fierce Fitness Podcast, where we talk about the latest fitness trends and answer all your burning wellness questions. I'm Nats Levy. And hey, if you have a burning question or topic you would like us to cover, then please do let us know at fiercefitness at newshub.co.nz or DM me on IG at Fierce Nation Fitness. In today's episode, we are talking about all things athletic mindset and performance. We talk to the brain that has helped condition athletes like Israel Adesanya, Kai Carter France, Sonny Bill Williams, and Quade Cooper. A strength and conditioning coach for the All Whites, originally from Durban, South Africa, Sunesh Singh, or Coach Sons, is as equally formidable in the training and conditioning arena as his athletes are on the playing field. What makes athletes tick? Can we replicate any habits and characteristics to turn our weekend warriors into a high-performing achievers like these athletes? Joining us now with some top tips is the Athlete Whisperer, Coach Sons. Welcome to the Fierce Fitness Podcast, Coach. Oh, thank you for having me. I do actually like that name, the yeah. Athlete Whisperer. Well, in my mind's eye... That's how I've always associated you as the athlete whisperer, both as an experience of your training and what that style is yep. like and watching you train others. Um, you have this way about you that I think can talk to that in a performance athlete, and I don't know what it is, and that's why you're here to share your tips with us. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to giving it, and hopefully it'll people can pick out some stuff here that could translate into their lifestyle and just weekend warrior sort of activities so I it's I think it's for everybody really. I think it is for everybody and you are the man to share these tips with us because I mean as I read out in the intro you have this this array of high caliber athletes that you work with and some of them have always been high performing athletes and then I know there's people like Troy Garton you work with as well who sort of came from a weekend warrior and turned into this high performance athlete so you are definitely the person to talk these tips with us um, let's go way 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 <laughs> back maybe not that way back but let's talk about you and your own athletic background and how you got into this arena of high performance athletes yeah so I'll go back to obviously back in South Africa where I'm born and coming from a very athletic family uh, father used to run professionally athletics uh, played football professionally uh, boxed had a professional boxing fight and did gymnastics so for <laughs> sport at the highest level so I think I had big shoes to fill uh, and I'm the youngest of four, three elder sisters. So they all did athletics and volleyball. So as the young one, you know, coming up, you're like, okay, I, this is probably where I'm going to go because you are who you surround yourself with, right? Uh-huh. So true. Right. So I started off, you know, athletics, natural. It's quite big in Africa, obviously. You know, we love, we love to run. Uh, it's our free time. Uh, it frees our mind. Wait, you love to run? Yeah. Yeah, get, tell me, like, you know, the funny thing is I'm an SNC coach with a lot of the, with these athletes and we throw a lot of tin, if you must say, around the gym. But ask me to train and I want to run. Oh, wow. So last night I was at Les Mills on the treadmill because I was just coming from work late. It was like 8.30 at night. I just stopped in, quick 30 minutes on the treadmill, jumped back in the truck, gone home. I think even that is like a mic drop because most people think they have to do weights all the time. But if you love no, to run, run. No, just run. Just do what you love. Okay, sorry yeah. about that segue. Yeah. No, that no, just no, we'll was go like, back. <laughs> yeah, let's backtrack. Okay, your story, yeah. carry on. So yeah, so uh, athletics and football was big, heavily. As a young kid, I figured out, you know, I got something good in football and athletics, uh, purely because my father, I used to sometimes try and train with him, but I couldn't keep up because I was way too young and he was way too good at that time. So, but 
he was very strict in terms of training, um, almost like I'd put it to old school military surgeon, like get up, train, get on with your day. Um, don't leave what you can do now for tomorrow or for later because tomorrow and later could never come. Do what you can now. That's quite deep. How old were you when you were having these life lessons? Under 10. <laughs> so I was manned up about 11. You know, I guess um, lifestyle in South Africa is a little different because I was not from, you know, a wealthy background. We had a lot of struggles in life. So for me, we cut a couple of years and it was, I had to make it out of the neighborhood with either education or sport. And, you know, it's like, because you don't really want to stay in that that neighborhood. It's it's not bad, but at the same time, you want a better life. Basically what you see on TV. So it was sport or education. So I had to do both in case one didn't really work. And I knew sport from a young age. I think I caught on that it can only last you so long. I think I caught on the body doesn't last you forever in terms of high performance. So I'm like, okay, we better make sure on the academic side of life. And I'll keep up with that. So yeah, jump a couple of years, um, age group. I represented for football, athletics, volleyball, and cricket. So I so not just one, four, yeah, four. So my father was. So you're a high achiever yourself. Yeah, so I I I can't settle for just anything. I I want I want to win everything. Uh-huh. I I cannot settle like you know people have. Um, your work companies have a netball night or social uh, football. That's that's World Cup for me. Mm. I'm, I, I play in those, you know, because I don't play anymore at, you know, club level or national league level. I I'd sometimes play uh, summer seven aside football or whatever it may be, touch, just something social with friends. But automatically I go back to that rep uh, teams. I go into that high performance mode and I have to snap out of it sometimes. So you're like a bull with a red cape. Right. And, and, and I catch myself going, hold on, these guys that I'm with never really played high performance, so I can't demand that from them. But it's sometimes, the more you practice, you know, switching on and off and understanding your surroundings, you can then adapt it and then you can apply it only to yourself. Oh, yeah. Apply it just to yourself. Those ingrained habits, apply it to right. yourself. Yeah. yeah, don't expect everyone to do what you want to do. So maybe that's why I also done athletics because it's very individual. Mm. Uh, team sport, I found I got annoyed when people didn't pull their weight. And, you know, you go from teams of, uh, if I talk elite teams, all the way down to just local local teams just to keep activity rates. As you go up the higher, everyone's almost on that same page mm. because that's work. Mm. That's their lifestyle. They chose it. So you're all there for the same reason. You take it three steps back and you just, you know, training once or twice a week and you're happy to just get some sort of sport in the weekend. That's sort of your pastime. It's a secondary thing. It's not primary. Whereas on the elite level, training and sport is primary. Everything else becomes secondary in life. Mm. You know, yes, you got your family and everything else. But at the end of the day, this is who you are. You are a professional athlete. So it becomes primary. And everything that feeds the primary takes in this priority listing that I call on top tier, everything else falls down. So if I talk uh, prior to my work and how I work with athletes, it's I got a primary and secondary and primary is taking care of my athletes. And on that priority list, I have one to, for example, one to 10. Mm. What needs most time will go number one, 
least time goes to number 10. Now, I cannot miss number four and go to number 10. As in, you know, there's this work-life balance. I need to go and catch up with my friends. Well, unfortunately, I didn't finish step four, five, six, seven, and eight. So how can I now go to 10? So that's operating on a high performance level and it comes down to just standards. You know, people get confused a little bit with the whole high performance and Mm -hmm. elite side, but at the end of the day, it's just high standards. Setting standards for yourself. So you could be in the All Blacks, you could be in a local rugby team, but just set standards, Mm. the highest standards that you can and improve on it because standards never stay. The more you work at it, thresholds increase. You're now asked to look for more. So true. So these standards that were ingrained in you, what it seems like from a very young, young age, Mm. so they served you until you were growing up um, and you had the education or sport to, to better yourself, better your life. Yeah. How did you get into that? I mean, when I read out the bio, when you told me just even a little snippet of who you worked with, I was like, these people are not only high-performing athletes, they're, they're kind of athletes that are known for being their own person, you know, yeah. and they're not afraid to be their own person. Yeah. How did you move into this niche of high-performance coaching and what seems to be a niche of high-performance athletes that just own themselves? Yeah, see... I'll touch back and forth on, because we never really had help when we were younger in South Africa. Mm. Uh, If you were not, and it's same here, if you are not a carded athlete, you don't really get much help. So you often put your hand up, but everyone looks the other way. Mm. So for me, when I got to New Zealand and I went through the university system and I had big injuries on my knee, so that's what stopped me from playing sport myself. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to study now and try and help these athletes that don't really get help. And then, of course, I want to help the high achievers already because I see sport in a different light and I see it in a way it should be because we've been through so many systems from South Africa through New Zealand and through local teams and coaching. And I'm like, you know what? I'd do it differently because I've been that player coached. I'm like, this is how I'd want my coach to talk to me. And this is how I'd give them more. So having that little knowledge, I'm like, okay, get through university. And I found science very easy. So physics, uh, chemistry, biology, the whole anatomy, physiology, that's all very easy for me. I find it, I don't know how to explain it, but it's very easy. Let's uh, try and explain how you find science easy. Because a lot of people will be listening going, holy heck, is science easy? Yeah. Physics, are you crazy? You know, I think if, if I put it, uh, I think maybe from our experience uh, working together a few times, and I probably had like, conversations randomly how I see things Uh, early years of university you know groups you have to go to med school and you have cadavers because you've got to understand the human body yes you do right and you've got to go deeper literally yeah underneath and you've got to look into the muscles and how they're actually layered within the body how they're connected to bones and how they work so as an inquisitive person that I am um we were in med school and you know you all have cadavers there and you examining muscles and here's me tugging on the muscles and going, oh, that just moved the index finger. Then I went down to like the quads and I started pulling on some of the quad muscle bellies and I'm like, okay, I could see what it's doing to the kneecap. So from then, that all those obviously through the years stayed in my head. So every time somebody moves, it's, you know, those anatomy charts you see. Yeah, I see that in real life in my head. So you're picturing those cadavers that you were right. moving. Right, exactly. So mm. 
every time somebody moves and I'm training them, I know how the muscles are layered. I know how they're moving. I know how they're attached, where they're attached, and what they're causing. So it sounds a bit weird, but you know, you see movies and you have the matrix and like all these formulas green running through the lens of some glasses. I see muscles and bones. And so every time somebody moves, I'll just quickly tilt my hand. I'll look. I'll like sort of zoom in with my eyes. They don't know what I'm doing, but that's what I'm picturing. You're playing that movie. Right. I'm playing it. I'm playing it. I'm like, okay, no, just drop your hip this way. Just move. Purely just adjusting angles because I've spent so many years doing that now and figured out what's happened from it, uh, that it becomes very easy for me. Wow. I know it sounds, it'll sound weird for people listening to it, but that's the only it way I can explain it. sounds incredible. <laughs> so yeah, so that's where it came from. And then yeah, I, I'm somebody that I don't like to be told what to do. Mm. Uh, and that can be a very broad sort of <laughs> statement. Uh, yes, I work within rules, but there's many ways you can skin a cat. You know, there's many ways you can train. There's not one way that's correct or there's not one way that's wrong. It's how you apply it and what you're trying to achieve. Uh, so often sometimes you'd get people um, maybe comment on my Instagram videos. Oh, well, that's wrong. That's not safe. Okay, it biomechanically for the normal person, it's not safe. Biomechanically for the elite athlete, I'm going to get the best performance gains putting them in this position. Yes, they're going to be unsafe for the normal person but safe for them because they've been trained to do it in this manner and because i guess when you're training them you have that movie happening in your own head yep and you can see what's happening in their body yeah so uh -huh. i know and, and and i'm very personable with my athletes i'm always talking with them how are you feeling one to ten ten means i'm ready to go home one means nothing's uh, i'm fresh i'm good to go so i'm always listening to them and we we establish a level of trust early on because I'll trust your numbers you give me back and they trust when I say, let's do this. And, and one big thing uh, with high performance, because obviously I wanted to get there, but, you know, uh, injuries stopped me from where I wanted to be. Uh, it's just the mindset of when a typical example would be Israel Adesanya. When I go, OK, well, today we're going to try bring on a new movement or something we've been doing, but I maybe remixed a little bit and. These are my words. I go, okay, let us try this. He will respond, no, we don't try, we do. Mm. So it's like that affirmation already. Right. It's already done in his yeah. head. If you, if you, for them, if you're telling them trying, you're giving them the option of failing mm. or not completing. Whereas if they put the option of we're going to execute, we will do it, we will successfully get it done. Maybe not on the first try, but we are going to get it. Not I will try because I will try gives us that option of yes or no. Mm. So that's how we see it. So that's a really good, uh, I guess, tip for people to kind of put into their mindset. Now, if they are a weekend warrior and wanted to um, hit a performance goal, just to think that it's already done. Hmm. Not to kind of take out those words of try and how they talk to themselves. And right. To be like, I've already got this. Right. hundred percent. And when I uh, especially teach movement, and people want to get faster on their turnarounds and, and change in direction. Uh, what I'm telling them to do is this first phase, second phase, third phase. You already know you're going to get to that point and go left or right. So already play it in your head. So when it comes to that point and you have to go left or right, you've already played it. Even though it's milliseconds, your brain already activate what needs to shift. Whether my torso needs to shift to the right whether my left side 
of my hip needs to move, it already knows how it's going to adjust the body to allow you to move in the right because you've played it in your head. If you know you're going to go to the left or if you know you're going from point A to B, once you get to B, you've got to quickly turn and come back. Well, then don't start thinking about how you're going to turn when you get there. Point A is already done. That's automatic. We teach you to play things that it's already happened. So when it's time to execute, it happens that few milliseconds faster. That's so interesting in itself. Because um, correct me if I'm misunderstanding you, mm. but uh, rather than focusing on, I guess, the physical aspect of it, do it in your head already. Create that movement intelligence right. and it will be done. Yeah. So a lot of the times we get uh, too caught up in the physical. Mm. You know, there's a lot of cognitive work that we've got to do. You know, that whole thinking side of sport, thinking side of just training, even if you're in the gym, you know, and you're doing something, whether it's movement, jumping, etc. Play it in your head. You know, uh, box jumps are one of the most feared things with uh, people that don't do it often. Are you looking at me, coach? No, never, <laughs> ever, ever do that. And especially people that are tall. It's quite challenging. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> There's a lot of limbs to move. So... Often, why it becomes, one, the fear. Fear is always there. I'm going to kick it, I'm going to fall, and I'm going to fail. You know, that, that failure thing, everybody's uh, scared of uh, not completing or being unsuccessful at something. So this is where we always try to uh, encourage people. Failure is where all the lessons are, mm. right? How are you going to learn if you don't fail? How are you going to learn if you don't try and take what you get from what just happened. If you successfully completed it on the first one, take take away. Well, I can do it. Mm. That's all you need to do. There's nothing more. And do it again. Do it again. But you've got to stay aware in every moment because if you're not aware, you don't know what to control, what to change. Yeah, and I feel like um, in fitness and when I watch people work out, there's that real reluctance to change and try. Mm. And perhaps it comes from this fear-based approach. Mm, 100%. And... You know, change can only occur with change. Mm. You can't do same behaviors and actions and expect to achieve new. Who was that? That was Einstein, wasn't it? Somebody. Somebody, somebody really smart. Smart said that. And it's so simple. Change can only happen with change. Mm. You know, old behaviors, old actions are not going to bring about new behaviors and new actions. Maybe your actions can stay, but your standards need to change. And we touched on that earlier. Yeah. Your standards have to change. You know, one step has to be done a little better. You know, each week improve on two or one or two steps. Too many times I experienced with a lot of people that not just in the high performance side, they want to try and change too many things. One, one thing at a time. Everything in life is a marathon. Nothing's a sprint. And yet we come back back to running. Yeah. Running. Running. Everything. I do love running. I, I do love running. My father is an ultra marathon runner, so you can imagine. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll touch quickly on the running. You know, back in university days, because Saturday night was, was the clubbing nights. Um, <laughs> I'd get up on a Saturday morning. We had to start our run about 4.30 in the morning because we'd do about a 40K, mm. 40 to 50K. And so I'll bust a 40 or 50K run out in the morning. Saturday night, I'm sitting in the club with my friends, sitting. I'd love to be dancing, but I'm like, I'll take a bar stool, I'll put it near the dance floor, 
just to be with the friends because they know I train so much. And if they had parties or get-togethers, eight o'clock, I'm gone. So I'd turn up at seven. An hour later, I'm like, I need to be in bed at 8.30 because I knew I had training. So that was my time. Okay, I'll give it back to you guys. I'll come and sit there. Just to know my body is here. <laughs> ah, I love it. I love it. So you're really prioritizing that thing you want to achieve in life yep. and you adapt your lifestyle around it. Yeah. And it comes back to the priority scale. Mm. You know, primary versus secondary. You can only do secondary if primary is done. Primary tasks and roles are all completed for the day, for the week, for the month. Because sometimes on that priority scale, it doesn't mean every day those things have to be done. It can be a span of a day a week, two weeks, a month, as long as you're making sure you ticking off and consistently repeating these behaviors. You cannot not repeat these behaviors. That's when that you get undulating results. Mm. And it's very easy to fall off the, the wagon, if I must say, if it's not your lifestyle, if sport is not your work. Mm. You know? Yeah, it, I think that's really, I mean, that's really good tips for everybody. Um, to realize, you know, from your experience with your own life and working with these high-performance athletes, like we've got, we've already talked on one, standards, priority scale, making sure it's consistent in your lifestyle and that mm. you're um, living in a way that's going to help you achieve what you want to. Yep. Um, two, the language that you talk to yourself, like it is already done. Don't kind of what if or give yourself an escape route, mm. you know, yeah. otherwise your body will escape and you won't, ha- you'll go down that path 100%, and not achieve. 100%. And then three, we've got that intelligence of movement, the mind-to-muscle connection. Think of it first and it's already done physically Mm -hmm. um can we just pick on pick up on something that you mentioned earlier about how you check in with your um high performance athletes and you check in with their i guess their emotional state and well-being and how Mm. they're feeling each day do you find that um you know like if they're not feeling so great then you kind of scale back on the intensity and they you really honor how the energy of that athlete day to day 100 percent. and like i said i'm so personable with them um i watch everything from when I say things, when we first start working, I watch how their eyes react to what I'm saying. Uh, I watch their face, how it's reacting, because the facial muscles just do things without you ever knowing. So first things first, I tr- I say things out the gate to them, hmm. purely to see how they react react to things. Um, and it can be even training sometimes. Like I'll throw stupid intensities. I'm like, this is what we do. But I'm really just trying to get a reaction So I start paying attention to their reactions to certain words, certain uh, tones in my voice, and then I start building patterns on that athlete. Mm. So when they come in and I say things and they don't react in the manner that they normally would, something's wrong. Something is definitely wrong. And we'd sometimes try to run through it and I can see they're off. So if they're off, I'd sometimes ask them, just go home, just relax come back when you're ready or if you want have a roll bring a bike let's let's just talk because we're not going to lose anything for the sake of one session if you can't give me 100% if you cannot give me 100% in your effort for what we're going to do we're going to fall short on what we're going to try to achieve so maybe you come back when you're ready to achieve it because your mind is somewhere else and I think that might do them or I'll say it would because I've been so many years with them. That has worked best with them. That if they're really off and I can see they, their normal energy is not there, they're happy, go lucky and you know joking and banter is not there, 
they're not reacting in the way that they normally react when I say things, something is off. Um, personal life, etc. So I'm like, go to the, how you feeling today? And you get the, uh, yeah, not bad, being better. I know straight away, I don't need to ask anymore because they don't want to talk about it. Mm. Sometimes they will talk about it. So when they don't want to talk about it, let's just chill. I tell them that, nah, we'll train, they'll be stubborn, go through the movement, they cannot ex- execute how I want it, and this is me keeping myself now accountable to my standards. Mm. So if you can't do it how I want it, now, as much as this may sound like it's contradicting yourself, like you can't do it how I want it, it's not acceptable, no, I'm saying let's just leave it for today and come back when we're better. Mm. And this can be applied to anyone. You know, there's more chance we might injure ourselves and then we're longer out on something if we don't actually listen to not just our bodies, our mind, because the mind controls everything. Yeah. And if the mind is not fully invested in what you're doing in that given moment, the next moment's not going to be good. Because I think it's fair to say, especially in New Zealand, we have this mentality of just pushing through. Mm. You know, just push through, just do the work. And if I'm thinking about that weekend warrior and they wake up and They've had a really stressful week, for example, and they're like, oh, no, it's Saturday morning. I must go and do my really intense circuit. But they want to sleep. Mm. They're better to just sleep and not push through. Just sleep. Like, relax. Sleep, get up, and go when you're ready. You know? But don't get into the habit of every time pushing it off because you want to sleep because that's where we it's a fine line of setting discipline for yourself. Mm. And, And when I say discipline, I'm saying you don't have to be like, really strict with yourself mm. uh, because it's not your primary. Yes. It is not your primary. You did not make sport your primary. It's not putting bread on your table. It's your out. It's your happy place, yes. But at the end of the day, you still have other things in your life that is primary. And mm. unfortunately, that's the way it is. So would that be a good way, you know, I'm just thinking if someone wakes up, for example, and Mm -hmm. they're like, am I being lazy or do I actually need to have a rest and not push through this? Come back to, I guess if they're confused and they can't tell, come back to their standards um, and what their priority is in life and why they're doing what they're doing. And I say, yeah, I say trace back, trace back the week. Mm. Look at your week, Monday, Friday, Monday to Friday, you know, have you done your training that you set out to do? Did you... Uh, executed how you wanted to execute it, your work life, your family life, your friends life, what's going on emotionally, and it's now Saturday. That's five days. Five days of physical and mental load. If it was a normal week, in terms of normal, I'm talking uh, what you'd normally do, then you're probably just being lazy. You're probably just being lazy. But if it's something that's got you maybe two days emotionally really heavy load, really stressed you work or some personal thing, then everything's gone up. So there's there's a direct relationship, you know, with your mental state and physical state. So if you do more, it's going to increase. So come Saturday, guess what? I actually didn't have a normal week. There was a few things off. And I feel I want to just sleep an extra half an hour. Go for it because it's not normal. Next week, everything could be restored and you get up and go. That's when you don't be lazy. 
I feel like this is an incredibly important chat um, because I've been delving and researching a lot into the area of particularly female athletic performance. Mm. And mm. Um, there's a big swing now to coaching and training that female athlete according to periods and menstrual cycles yep. and honoring that day-to-day energy and looking at um, cycling the training to be more in line with hormonal fluctuations as opposed to day in, day out following a tracking schedule and week. And I just kind of thought of this because I was thinking of Troy Garten mm. and I can't remember when I – so Troy's this champion boxer who's just turned pro um, and I was talking to her quite recently and I know that you coach her and mm. she was saying – I can't remember if it was before her debut fight or something happened but she just wasn't feeling it and you had those exact words for her. I think you assessed her energy and emotion and told her, no, okay, have the week off. Mm. And I just remember being like, whoa, that's so groundbreaking. Is it like, it feels like a very holistic sense that you train your athletes with. Yeah. So I'm, I like science as we spoke about. I love science, but I don't get caught up with it. Mm. You know how there's open brackets and closed brackets and you see they got a little curve. Mm. That means it's allowed to flex. You can flex the science within reason. So a lot of coaches, it's black and white for them. No. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. But I'm like learning every day. Science is evolving every day. Everything's a trial and error. So whether I've had athletes for eight years with me, every session for every that eight year is a trial and error. I'm always collecting data. And by data, whether it be literal data or mental notes that I'm making through those eight years on how everything is evolving. Because... Mentally, we evolve as well. So how we perceive things today versus two years down the line or even one year down the line is completely different. So my language to you may have to change. Interpersonal skills is big, huge for me. I love that you've referenced that. Uh, (laughs) Interpersonal skills, (laughs) being a good human. Yeah, be a good human. It's not hard. So I always say my athletes are human first, people first, athletes second. I'll treat you like a human being, a person first. Athlete is our job. And with that, what a lovely note to leave the conversation. That was the Athlete Whisperer at Coach Sons. And if you do want to reach out to him, he's always available for a DM or you can find his email information at Instagram at coach underscore Sons, S-U-N-Z. And that's the chat about athletic performance and how we can adopt some of those characteristics, implement them into our life to also be high-performing weekend warriors. You've been listening to the Fierce Fitness Podcast. I'm Nats Levy. Until next time, see you later. You've been listening to the Fierce Fitness Podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed the show, why not leave us a review? For more, you can visit newshub.co.nz slash podcasts.